Hello, and welcome to this morning's edition of 5 at 8. Today is Friday, December 22nd, 2023, and I'm Mark Overman, joined by my co-host Linda Carlisle. In this episode, we will talk about the growing credibility and influence of Hamas in the Middle East, a rare drone attack in Kiev, the reactivation of the North Airfield on the Pacific island of Tinian, the risk of the West Antarctic ice sheet collapsing, and the restoration of communications between the United States and China militaries. Story number one. U.S. intelligence agencies have warned that Hamas's credibility and influence have grown significantly since the October 7th terror attack and Israel's military response in the Middle East, as reported by CNN. As Israel's air campaign in Gaza has resulted in the deaths of thousands of civilians, Hamas has positioned itself as the defender of the Palestinian cause and an effective fighter against Israel. The group has gained support in the Arab and Muslim world, and its propaganda videos portraying it as a moral and religious group have gone viral on Arab social media. The U.S. government is concerned that the civilian death toll from Israeli bombing may further elevate Hamas's popularity and inspire more terrorism. There are indicators that support for Hamas has grown in the Palestinian territories and other regions, and there are fears that it may become an inspiration for terrorist groups worldwide. It is difficult to measure the exact influence of Hamas, but there are concerns about how long this boost in credibility will last. Do you know, Linda, the situation in the Middle East, particularly between Israel and Hamas, is a classic example of a paradox in counterterrorism strategies. We've got the Israeli government firmly standing its ground, defending its right to protect its citizens. In the process, though, they've conducted an air campaign that has tragically claimed thousands of civilian lives. And what's really surprising is that, contrary to what you might expect in such a situation, Hamas's popularity seems to be surging. This reminds me of historical instances where oppressors were seen as martyrs or freedom fighters. Like during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, the Irish Republican Army, despite its violent methods, was seen by some as a force standing up against British oppression. That's a great point, Linda. It's a similar situation here, with Hamas portraying themselves as defenders of the Palestinian cause, despite being designated as a terrorist group. It's almost as if the severity of their actions is being overshadowed by their narrative. And this narrative is resonating with people, not just within Gaza or the West Bank, but globally. The propagation of this narrative through social media and other channels is only intensifying its effect. Right. And it's concerning that this could inspire other terror groups around the globe. The FBI and law enforcement in Europe are already on high alert for potential lone wolf attackers who may be inspired by Hamas. It's a very complex issue, Mark. On one side, there's a need to effectively counter terrorism. On the other... There's potential for the rise in popularity of these very groups due to the methods used in countering them. It's like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. It's a tightrope walk, and it seems like no matter what action you take, you're always in danger of falling. And in the end, it's the innocent civilians who suffer the most. Story number two. A Russian drone attack in Kiev injured one person, marking a rare breach of the Ukrainian capital's air defenses. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky stated that there are indications of a slowdown in Russia's military planning and activity. According to The Guardian, Ukraine has shot down a significant number of missiles and drones launched by Russia during the ongoing conflict. Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban blocked a 50 billion euros EU aid package for Ukraine, insisting on calling Russia's invasion a military operation. 
Russia issued an arrest warrant for Maria Pevchik, an ally of Alexei Navalny. Ukraine's parliament voted to legalize medical marijuana, citing its potential benefits for people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder caused by the war. Exports from Russia to China are expected to reach a record high in 2023. Ukraine and its Western creditors agreed to extend a debt payment suspension, and Russian shelling in the Donetsk region resulted in three deaths. Ukrainian and Polish officials met to discuss a cargo blockage caused by Polish truckers demanding restrictions on Ukrainian competitors, as reported by The Guardian. Did you see this, Linda? The Russian drone attack on Kiev and the subsequent injury of a civilian there is a startling reminder of how warfare has evolved. The use of unmanned aerial vehicles or drones has significantly changed the face of modern combat. It allows for strikes to be carried out remotely, reducing the risk to military personnel. But it also raises significant ethical and legal questions, particularly when civilians are caught in the crossfire. The use of drones in warfare is indeed alarming, and the collateral damage to civilian lives and infrastructure is heartbreaking. However, I think it's important for us to also focus on the other side of the coin. The Ukrainian air defenses were able to shoot down a significant number of these missiles and drones, which illustrates the advancements in defense technology as well. It's an arms race of sorts, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly an arms race, Linda. But I'm not sure that's a good thing. This escalation only results in more devastation and loss. Look at the situation in Donetsk region, with shelling leading to loss of lives and damage to coal mining facilities. I mean, we've got to find a way to de-escalate, to find a peaceful resolution to conflicts. I agree, Mark. De-escalation and peaceful resolution should always be the aim. But let's not forget the complexity of the geopolitical landscape. Take the example of Viktor Orban, the Hungarian prime minister, blocking the EU aid package for Ukraine. These actions can significantly impact the dynamics of international relationships and aid measures. It's not as black and white as it seems. True, it's not black and white, Linda. But when actions by leaders like Orban directly affect aid measures to war-torn countries, it's hard not to feel frustrated. As for Ukraine's decision to legalize medical marijuana, I applaud them. If it helps their citizens cope with the trauma induced by war, then it's a move in the right direction. That's a point well made, Mark. The socio-political and economic aftermath of war is vast, and the decision to legalize medical marijuana is indeed commendable. That said, it's also important to consider the potential for abuse and regulation challenges. And on the topic of economic stability, Ukraine's extension of debt payment suspension is a significant relief, but it's also indicative of the long-term economic impacts of warfare. Story number three. The U.S. Air Force plans to reactivate the North Airfield on the Pacific island of Tinian, which was used to launch the atomic bombings of Japan during World War II. General Kenneth Wilsbach, commander of Pacific Air Forces, stated that the airfield will become an extensive facility once it has been reclaimed from the jungle that has grown over it since it was abandoned in 1946. In a report from CNN, it is revealed that the move is part of the U.S. military's agile combat employment strategy which aims to disperse air power across smaller, more dispersed locations to complicate adversary planning and provide more options for joint force commanders. The reactivation of the airfield is seen as a way to broaden basing options and mitigate threats from China. I've got to say, this idea of the U.S. Air Force bringing back North Airfield on Tinian Island into play is a fascinating strategic move, isn't it? It's like history is coming full circle considering the crucial role it played during World War II.
It's interesting to see how military strategies adapt to changing geopolitical dynamics. Tinian, with its history, is now poised to play a critical role in the Pacific again. The Agile Combat Employment Strategy, which the Air Force is implementing, is all about dispersing forces and creating unpredictability. By reviving North Airfield, the U.S. is effectively complicating the targeting problem for any potential adversary. And China is that potential adversary, right? It's no secret that the Pentagon sees China as a pacing threat. So, how does this move play into that? Indeed, China's growing missile forces are a concern for the U.S. military. By dispersing its air power across different locations, the U.S. Air Force is aiming to make it more difficult to target their fleet. This approach requires the adversary to expend more resources, which in turn could deter aggression. It's essentially a defensive strategy. I see. Now, what could be the potential reactions from China and other Pacific nations? Well, how other nations respond will largely depend on their strategic interests and alliances. China might view this as a provocative move, and it could potentially escalate tensions. As for other Pacific nations, their reactions could vary. Nations aligned with the U.S. might welcome the move as a strengthening of regional security. Those with stronger ties to China, however, might find themselves in a tricky position. So it's a balancing act, huh? We're witnessing a real-time evolution of military strategy playing out right now. Precisely. It's a testament to the dynamic nature of international relations and military planning. It's not just about firepower. It's about location, alliances, and adaptability. History has shown us that military assets and strategies must continually adapt to serve changing strategic needs. And what we're seeing with Tinian Island is a perfect example of that. Story number four. According to the New York Times, a DNA study on octopus movements suggests that the West Antarctic ice sheet is at risk of collapsing, potentially leading to significant sea level rise. The study reveals that about 120,000 years ago, during a period with similar temperatures to today, octopuses from different locations around Antarctica were able to mingle and swap DNA. This would only have been possible if the West Antarctic ice sheet was not present at the time. The research indicates that a global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius over the pre-industrial average may be a tipping point for the ice sheet, a temperature level that the Earth is currently close to. If the ice sheet were to melt entirely, it could cause sea levels to rise by up to 5 meters. While the study does not predict when this collapse might occur, it suggests that today's temperatures may have already committed the planet to this outcome. The rate of melting would be influenced by future actions to address climate change. Would you believe it, Linda? Science keeps surprising us. Who would have thought we'd be getting climate change information from the DNA of octopuses? It's just mind-blowing. The study's implications are pretty clear, though. We're seeing that the temperatures during the last interglacial period were similar to what we have now. And it seems that was enough to melt the West Antarctic ice sheet. Makes you pause and think, doesn't it? Yes, Mark. It's indeed a sobering reminder of our current situation. This study points out that a global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius, or even less, could be a tipping point for the ice sheet. Worse yet, we're already pretty close to that mark. Essentially, what the octopus DNA tells us is that history might be about to repeat itself, and we're the ones pushing the replay button. Exactly. And it's not just about the temperatures. We've got to remember that sea levels were much higher back then, about 5 to 10 meters higher than now. If the West Antarctic ice sheet melts completely, we could be looking at an average sea level rise of up to 16 feet. That's 
Well, it's a lot to process, Linda. And to add to that, it's worth noting that while the last interglacial was part of the Earth's natural cycles, our current situation is largely driven by human activities. Our greenhouse emissions are causing temperature changes at a much faster rate. This gives the study an even greater significance as it underscores the urgency of our actions to mitigate climate change. Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's this sort of cross-disciplinary research, combining biology and geoscience, that can provide us with a more comprehensive view of the situation. We're not just looking at ice cores or naval records anymore. We're studying the DNA of marine life to get a better understanding of our past, and more importantly, our future. Yes, Mark. It's fascinating how these diverse fields of study can intersect and provide such valuable insights. It's a reminder that everything's interconnected in this world. The challenge now is to take these findings and translate them into tangible actions. We have the evidence. Now we need the will to act. Story number five. In a report from the New York Times, it is stated that the United States and China have restored communications between their militaries. General Charles Q. Brown, President Biden's senior military advisor, held a video conference call with his Chinese counterpart, General Liu Zhenli. This marks an important step in the relationship between the two powerful militaries, which have had strained relations in recent years due to tensions over Taiwan and the South China Sea. The call comes after General Brown expressed the U.S.'s willingness to resume military-to-military -military communications in a letter to his Chinese counterpart. The two military leaders discussed global and regional security issues, emphasizing the importance of communication to reduce misunderstandings and manage competition responsibly. Why, if it isn't a tiny spark of optimism amidst all the global tension, the U.S. and China, two of the world's superpowers, opening up their lines of communication again. It's about time, don't you think? The potential fallout from misunderstanding or lack of communication between these two could be catastrophic. It's a significant step, to say the least. But let's not forget the context. The tensions between the U.S. and China didn't occur overnight. They've been building up over years, especially with issues like Taiwan and the South China Sea. This resumption of communication while encouraging is just the beginning of a very long journey towards mutual understanding and cooperation. Aye, Linda, you hit the nail on the head. It's a complex, multi-layered situation. But you know, reaching out and extending that olive branch is a great place to start. As they say, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, Mark, that's one way of looking at it. But it's also important to remember that communication is not just about talking, it's about listening as well. It's not enough for the U.S. and China to just re-establish their military hotlines. They need to truly listen to each other's concerns and come up with constructive ways to address them. Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's a two-way street, ain't it? Listening, understanding, and then acting. That's the way to go. And hey, let's not forget about the elephant in the room. The spying activities. That's a whole can of worms that needs to be addressed, too. Espionage activities have seriously undermined the trust between the two nations. They need to find a way to address this, along with their territorial disputes, if they truly want to move forward. Right you are, Linda. And let's hope this move is a step in the right direction. After all, we're all in the same boat here, globally speaking. The last thing we need is two of the world's biggest militaries at loggerheads. Yes, Mark. It's a delicate balance, and the world watches with anticipation. The potential consequences of this relationship could have far-reaching implications for global security and stability. 
That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.